Season 1, Episode 101, 101, Pete's Podcast, Bible Story Evangelism, Acts Chapter 27, Verses 1 through 44. Schofield has three outline points here. Paul sent to Rome, the storm, and Paul's advice, which initially wasn't taken, but it got to the point where uh, they pretty much did everything Paul told them to do. Anyway, uh, it's an interesting story about a shipwreck. Before, before I start chapter 27, I want to go back to 26, verse 11. Because uh, when I was preparing it yesterday, I was looking forward to stressing a point here. And in verse 11, Paul is recounting uh, his previous life to Agrippa when he was persecuting the church. He says in verse 11, I punished them off in every synagogue, Jewish believers in Jesus Christ, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities, which, in verse 12, whereupon I went to Damascus with authority, where he was fell off his horse in a bright light. Anyway, I wanted to say that the way you make a believer blaspheme, or the way that anyone blasphemes, uh, especially the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is to, uh, one, of, one of the classic examples is to say that Christ cast out demons by Satan. That, that is such blasphemy. But the other is just to deny the deity of Christ. Um, it's, it's, he is who he said he was. As, as a writer 40 years ago wrote, I forgot his name now, but he wrote, Liar, Lunatic, or Lord. Good man is not an option. You can't just say Jesus was a good man because good men don't claim to be the Son of God, the Messiah. A person does that, and, and as a matter of fact, somebody has done that in my life. I obviously had problems. But anyway... Um, to to not uh, give the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, which honors Jehovah every time you do it, or we do it, um, it's basically not to believe in Him and, and to call Him. That the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, of judgment, of sin because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. And that's the righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the, Jesus Christ is the way we get the righteousness that we can be in the presence of God, which we will be when we die in the New Testament now. Absolute body present with the Lord. In the Old Testament, you went to a place called paradise. I talked about it yesterday. Anyway, how do you make a believer blaspheme? To deny that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He's either lying about it, he knows he's not the Son of God, but just claims to be. He's either crazy, he thinks he's God and he's not, or he is. Good men don't claim to be something they're not, or believe they're something they're not. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Anyway, um, so I want to uh, jump down here to chapter 27, which is uh, is very interesting to me. I, I used to go out fishing in the Gulf Stream when I was a kid with my dad and spent many hours out of sight of land and uh, I've always enjoyed that. Um, 
So in chapter 27, uh, Schofield has five. In chapter 27, he has three uh, outline points. Paul sent to Rome the storm, and uh, which is most of the story. And the moral ascendancy of Paul, uh, Paul leading the centurion during the shipwrecked uh, to do the right thing, I guess. Anyway, um, the Lord appeared to Paul and told him what what to, that everything was going to be all right. And a spoiler alert: there's 276 people on this boat now. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He doesn't say that till the end of the chapter. But I just want you to get the idea that it's a big ship. And not all of them are prisoners. Obviously, you got to have some people that you know man the boat. And uh, but we'll talk about the ship quite a bit, and about seamanship a little bit, um, about being on the leeward side of an island during a storm. Uh, I love to watch uh, a show called Deadliest Catch, and whenever they're in a really bad storm up there, they they anchor on the leeward side of an leeward means the the side that the wind is not on. I know going through hurricanes that there's a leeward side of our house, depending on unless the eye passes over your house, which it did at Andrew, which means you're going to get the wind in all, all directions. But anyway, uh, the leeward side is pretty safe for, for cars and stuff like that. Anyway, depending on the strength of the hurricane. All right, um, so so this is a, a chapter about about a storm at sea, I guess. All right, so uh, <clears throat> chapter 27, Paul sent to Rome. Paul is sent to Rome. It, it all takes place on a boat. So um, verse 1 of chapter 27, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy. Who's writing this? Luke is writing this. And... Um, so Luke is part of the 176 people here. We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, Peter wrote. Well, this is an eyewitness account by Luke. And when it was determined, verse 1, that we should sail unto Italy, or into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain of the prison, other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Uh, this Augustus is Nero. And verse 2, And entering into the ship of Adramitium, uh, which is a, I looked it up, it's a city on the northeast coast of Asia Minor, not really uh, a stopping a port of call here for them. They stay pretty much in the Mediterranean. And a lot of it, for 14 days, they're pretty much lost at sea uh, in a storm. And they take the sails down. They lighten the boat. Um, they throw uh, tackle off, block and tackle off. I mean, that's going to hamper your ability to sail, I would guess. But anyway, entering into the ship. Why would you lighten the ship? I think it's filling with water. That's my opinion. Um, but uh, this is a pretty big ship, and I'm sure it's... Well, anyway, it makes it... Oh, well, sort of. The, the passengers do. Let me Spoiler alert. The passengers make it. The ship kind of doesn't make it. Verse 2. And entering into the ship of Adriamitium, 
that's a city on the coast, northeast coast of Asia Minor. We launched from Caesarea, meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia. So they were going to, that was their plan, to sail, I guess, along the coast of Asia Minor. But they changed that plan. Well, no, they, they sailed north of Cyprus, uh, but, but because it's the leeward side of the island, which the north side happened to be on the side where the wind wasn't blowing so hard. And the winds were started out contrary, and then they uh, turned into a cyclone. Anyway, uh, one Aristarchus of Macedonian, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. I'm not sure who Aristarchus is, but he doesn't really play a big role in the story here. Um, all right, so. Um, let me get my clicker going here. Okay, verse 3. The next day we touched Sidon, which is, I don't know, I'm uh, just guessing here. I got a map. Let's see. Um, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, I don't know, 150 miles north of Caesarea. So I don't know how you can make that in one day. But uh, from, I mean, yeah. Sidon, um, maybe, am I reading kilometers or miles here? Uh, let's, let's make it more like 100, 100 miles, not 150. 100 miles to Sidon. The next day we touched, though, maybe it was the next day in the evening. It was two days of sailing, and they, of course they sail all night. Uh, the next day we touched at Sidon. And Julius, the centurion in charge, named Julius, of Nero's band, uh, courteously entreated or treated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends at Sidon and refresh himself. So here's a prisoner that's getting to visit the city. But he's also a Roman citizen and he's requested to see Caesar and God has told him you're going to go to Rome, so I don't think he's going to pull a Jonah and go in some other direction. He's going to ride this to Rome. But Julius was inclined to treat him nicely. Julius, the centurion in charge of these prisoners and Roman soldiers. Paul uh, treated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends. Now, Paul as you notice, has got friends everywhere now. After three missionary journeys along the coast of Asia Minor and into Asia Minor, he's got friends everywhere. So, uh, pretty cool, really. Um, verse 4, And when we, again Luke, had launched from Sidon, from thence, we sailed under Cyprus. Now, I was looking at a map of the missionary journey, and they sailed north of Cyprus, and I'm always thinking under and down and up on a map. That's what I'm always looking at. Um, but the the underside of an island is determined by the wind, and it's the leeward side. So it's not the north side, but anyway. Uh, and when we had launched from thence, we sailed on the leeward side of Cyprus, which some Bible translation tra translate that. It just King James is you know, pretty old translation so they have seamen 
English were very good sailors and they would know what under Cyprus meant. But because the winds were contrary, so it tells you right there that's why they they sailed under Cyprus because the winds were blowing hard and they wanted to be on the leeward side of Cyprus. Anyway, verse five. And when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia, which is just uh, I don't know, kind of like Key Bis uh, Biscayne Bay or the, anyway, it's uh, it's a little. Uh, bay, I would say, under Asia Minor, near Pamphylia and Lycia. Uh, so, um, and when we had, okay, um, the next day we touched Sidon, okay, and uh, verse 4, and when we had launched from Sidon, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary, verse 5, and when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia, and Pamphylia, and came to Myra, a city of Lycia. So there it is, right on the southern coast of Asia Minor. Um, and I think you'll see, it's not listed here, but Pamphylia is kind of a, a, a good, uh, probably 50 miles inland. Not, not, it's a bay. I'm Pamphylia is on the coast. But anyway, you'd have to look at a map of Asia Minor to see what where I'm guessing the uh, the uh, Sea of Cilicia is and Pamphylia. Uh, we came to Myra, the city of Lycia. Okay, so they sailed on the coast and now they're a little further south, uh, approaching what you might call the southwest corner of Asia Minor, modern Turkey. Anyway. All right, verse 6. And there the centurion, Julius, the centurion, found a ship of Alexandria. So they're switching ships, which I, very rarely do you ever get on one ship and go anywhere. This is, uh, these are not pleasure boats. These are working ships that I think it was a common practice to, to sail, to, to give passage to, definitely to Rome, Romans, and their duties. And cargo ships have, you know, not that many people on them sometimes. They have mostly cargo. But um, found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy. And he put us therein. And when we had, verse 7, and when we had sailed slowly many days, because the wind wasn't blowing that hard, I guess, or it was contrary, and scarce were come over against Sinaitis, which is a little island definitely in the southwest corner of Asia Minor. Uh, the wind not suffering us, we sailed again on, on the leeward side of Crete. So they sailed down. Crete is an island on the same latitude as Cyprus, but I would say um, oh, a thousand miles from Cyprus. So time is passing and that's going to be a problem. They're going to hit hurricane season. But uh, over against Salmon, which is uh, a, a, a city on the west, I mean, I'm sorry, on the east coast of the island of Crete. Both Crete and Cyprus, Cyprus are uh, much longer on the latitude than they are 
they are wide on the longitude. North-south, they're not very wide. East-west, they're pretty long. Verse 8, And hardly or with difficulty passing it, because of the contrary winds, passing it, came unto the place called Fair Havens, which was mis misnomer, kind of like Greenland, whatever, I don't know. Uh, I guess there is some green in Greenland, but um, well, it sure doesn't look that way on a map. But anyway, uh, Fair Havens, nigh whereunto the city of Lycia was, or Lycia. Uh, it's in the central south side of the island of Crete. Verse 9, and when much time was spent, again, this burning the, the clock is not good when you're coming up on the stormy season. Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous because of the fast, which I looked it up, and most scholars believe that's um, the uh, Yom Kippur, which is in July, which is definitely, June 1st is the beginning of hurricane season. And we have hurricanes that go across the Atlantic and go into Denmark, got hit by one. I'm sure there's been storms that have gone into, uh, into the Mediterranean. And this sounds like one. In fact, they have a name for this, almost like it's an annual event, a name for, the, for bad weather. Sounds kind of like cyclone a little bit, but which is just another name for, that's the Indian Ocean name for a hurricane. And a typhoon is on the Pacific, uh, you know, the West, West Pacific, off the coast of China you have typhoons, and uh, Japan, etc. And in the Atlantic you have hurricanes. And I hardly let a podcast go that don't say that I feel guilty about being concerned about hurricanes, but went through Andrew, but I'm going to put all my cares on him with with prayer and thanksgiving, uh, making my requests known unto God, and I'm not going to be full of care about hurricanes. But the Lord knows I am, so I'm going to count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of my faith work is patience. So I'm just going to be, you know, whatever it's going to work out, it's going to be great. Great thing about Andrew was we got to meet all our neighbors. All right, verse 10. And said, okay, let's see what, um, okay, okay, I was talking about the Day of Atonement, was now ready, passed, so it's, it's getting in the second half of July. Paul admonished them. Now, he's done some sailing in the Mediterranean. But um, and said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading or cargo and the ship, but our lives, but our lives also. Um, that's not good news. Nobody wants to die at sea, but uh, I'm sure it crossed their mind as we go through this chapter here. But Paul's going to give them a word for the Lord that says we're all going to make it. Not a hair of your head will fall, he says, in, after the 14th day of storm. Verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion, Julius, believed the master and owner of the ship, 
more than those things that were spoken of by Paul. And Paul, believe it or not, actually does say, I told you so. So just remember that when we come to it. Verse 12. And because the haven of fair havens was not commodious or a good place to winter in, it was, it was not a fair haven. Nobody wanted to stay there for the winter. So they risked their lives by leaving. The more part advised to depart thence also, if by, and this is on the island of Cyprus, not no, it's on the island of Crete. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is way out. In, in, yeah, it's a thousand miles from Cy or Cyprus. Okay, so uh, if by any means they might obtain Phoenice. And let me look at my map real quick here. Um, Phoenice is pretty much um, probably 600 miles. I would say that Crete is about six to nine hundred miles long and uh make it more like make maybe more more like two hundred miles. Yeah, I'm sorry. More like two hundred miles long. Maybe more between two and three hundred miles long is the island of Crete. So Phoenice is on the other side, but Fairhavens it's probably a hundred miles from Fairhaven. So it's not that far. I mean I would say it's 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 no further than Sidon was from Caesarea, so it's, you know, two days of sailing. I mean, they could be there by the next day if they sailed left in the morning. And so they it's a better, bigger city, a better port, nicer place to spend the winter, uh, maybe be warmer, whatever. Um, so, and because the haven of Fair Havens was not commodious, the city was called Fair Havens. I'm sorry, I'm reading verse 12 again. And because of the haven of fair havens was not commodious or a good place to winter in, and more part, the more people that knew, the sailors, I guess, advised to depart thence. And maybe some of the people at fair haven, hey, we don't want you eating all our food. Go over there. It's a much bigger place. You can do much better in, in Phoenice. Um, so most people advised to depart thence. And if by any means they might attain Phoenice. A nicer city on the island of Crete, uh, a 24-hour sail away, Pop, yeah, 200 miles, whatever, and there, there to winter. So Paul was right, you know, he should have, should have not left, but because um, it's too much time, they spent too much time on in the journey, and it's not, it's bad windy time, which is a haven of Crete, which is it's much better than Fairhaven. Again, why did they name it Fairhaven if it's such a lousy place? Uh, and lieth toward the southwest. Uh, you have to sail southwest a little bit to get to it, and then you got to sail northwest. So it's around the, the corner of the west side of Crete. Verse 13, And when the south wind blew softly, Hey, the weather's good, let's go. Supposing that they had obtained their purpose... Loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. So they're staying, and they're on the leeward side of Crete, so they're not getting blown into the shore or anything, because you don't want to do that, because you don't want to get too close to the land, because you'll hit rocks and stuff like that. Verse 14, the storm. Verse 14, but long after there, but not long after, there arose 
against the ship, rose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurus Clyden. Now, you know, if, if a wind has got a name, ay, ay, ay. Well, I'm telling you, they're in for quite a ride. Called Eurus Clyden. The next 14 days are not going to be good. Not long after there arose, I mean, it was calm, and they only got to go 100, uh, yeah, from, from 100 miles from where they're at, less than Sidon, their trip from Caesarea to Sidon, back on the coast of the Mediterranean there. Anyway, coast of, they should have been able, but it, of course they didn't, called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind, we let it drive. I think that meant pretty much you let down the sails and you let it go. And they have no idea where they are. They're, uh, they're on the leeward side of Crete, so they're getting blown away from Crete, which is a good thing. In a bad, bad storm, you don't want to crash on the rocks um, at any rate. And when the ship was caught, they could not bear up in the wind. We, Lucas, including himself here, we let her, let her drive. Verse 16, and running under, again the leeward side, of a certain island named Clauda, and it's on the map here, it's about, I don't know, how many miles, 30 miles south of uh, Phoenice where they were trying to go, but again it's south and the wind is blowing them south. So... Uh, we we had much work to come by the boat. Uh, the sailors are busy. I guess I, everybody's busy. Bailing water, I'm not sure what they're doing. But uh, if they're letting it run, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to sail it now. Because they're uh, near a certain island. They're running behind an island. So if they could anchor b below this island uh, on the leeward side, it just happens to be south of the island. Because here the wind's blowing from the north. In Cyprus it was blowing from the south. Anyway, which is pretty standard coming off of uh, uh, the uh, Nile River there, which Cyprus is just north of that. Anyway, uh, so they're under this, they're on the leeward side of this island, south of this island. The wind's coming from the north. And, and the sailors say, hey man, if we can anchor here, we'll be good. We had much work to come by the boat, but... It's not a big island. I, I can see its name here, but I really can't even see the island on my map. I'm sure that the name in print is much bigger than the island. Anyway, we had much work to come by the boat. So they're trying to sail this boat again and uh, get behind this island. And when they had taken up, they used ropes undergirding the ship. So they're, they're running ships uh, I guess from the bow to the stern and tying them off to hold the ship together uh, for they feared fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands or the sandbars um, um, strake the sail they lowered the sail and so were driven so they're trying you know they, I think they're, they're sailors of the Mediterranean they know where the sandbars are especially around a, a an island like Crete, where I'm sure they make port occasionally. And um, anyway, they uh, 
They're trying to hold the boat together. And that does sound like a lot of work. Verse 17, And when they had taken up, they had, they had used ropes, used helps, ropes, I looked it up, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, known sandbars, uh, they lowered the sails, straight the sails, so, so we were driven. So they're pretty much uh, given up and hoping they don't hit the sandbars because that would tear up the ship. Ships and waves on sandbars, they don't do well, even if they're sandbars. Getting smashed into the ground, not a good thing. Verse 18, running aground in a storm, not a good thing. Verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest for the next day, they lightened the ship. And the only reason I think you'd lighten the ship is because uh, it's getting deeper in the water. And the only thing that would make it deeper in the water is it's taken on water. So this is a big ship. It's got 276 souls on it. 276 packs is, we would say, in the military. Uh, souls is what uh, they call it on airplanes. How many souls you got on board? I don't know if it comes from this story or not, but the story is written about 2,000 years ago. Oh, interesting. All right, verse 19. And the third day from entering the storm, we cast out with our own hands the tackling, which I looked up, uh, blocking tackles. Uh, there are a lot of pulleys on sailboats. This could have been the extra stuff because later they're going to raise the sail when they try to make sure. But so they, they still have some some of it, some of the tackling. But they're getting rid of anything that's, I would say, heavier than water because uh, that's going to pull the boat down. And when neither sun nor stars when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. That's, that's pretty sad. Now, again, if you put a little bit of hope in Jesus Christ or God, you're doing the right thing. Let me tell you that. But they had, they had uh, at this point, they had no hope. All hope that we should be saved or live then was then taken away. Things just look really bad. You haven't seen the sun or stars in many days. Turns out to be 14 days. Verse 21. And Paul really starts leading here after many days. And all hope is gone. Uh, I don't think they look at the, the, the master of the ship, the captain of the ship. I don't think they're looking to Julius. They're looking to Paul. Verse 21. And after a long abstinence, I think Paul's been away praying. Nobody has eaten in the 14 days. We find out that later. Paul addresses that. Verse 21. And after long abstinence, you know, Paul not being around, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. You should have listened to me. This is where he says, I told you so. And not have loosed for, from Crete, Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. 
verse 22. And now I, Paul, exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. He knows exactly what's going to happen. How does he know? Well, verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, this is the angel of God saying, and I think it's a Christophanes or a Theophanes, an appearance of God, but you can argue that in seminaries all you want. Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. I told you, you're going to Rome. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So that kind of lends towards an angel. Doesn't it? When it says, lo, God, it doesn't say, I, God. So I guess this is just an angel. Anyway, lo, God hath given thee all them, Gabriel, Michael, somebody, that sail with thee. So all 276 are going to make it. And Paul is saying this to the, the 275 other guys on the boat who are all looking to him. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. That's the second time he said that, right? Yeah. I exhort you, be of good cheer in verse 22. Verse 25. Therefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must cast upon a certain island. And that's exactly what happens. Where Paul is snake bit. Venomous snake bit. Spoiler alert. Chapter 28. Verse 27. And when the fourteenth night was come. As we. This is Luke talking. As we were driven up and down. In. Adria. I didn't look that one up. I should have. I'm not sure what that is. About midnight. The shipmen deemed that we drew near some country. Now these guys, they know ship. And they know shallow water. And they know seaweed in the water. And a storm is going to pull up. Whatever. They know just by looking. Even though there's no light. They haven't seen the sun or anything else. But they are of good cheer. They're, maybe they're getting to work. But, but they know that they're getting close to land. And that's something a, a sailor would know. Especially when your life depends on it. Because you don't want to run aground. Verse 28. And sounded and found 20 fathoms. Which I did look up. Which is um, 120 feet. The word I didn't know is A-D-R-I-A. -A, Adria. Uh, driven up and I'll try to remember to address that tomorrow. I did address uh, um, blasphemy. Which I wanted to address in chapter 26. So, I'm pretty good at remembering what I messed up on. Verse 28. And sounded and found it 20 fathoms, 120 feet. And when we had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms, or 90 feet. So they're getting closer to shore. They can tell by the signs in the sea. They can tell by their sounding, which is drop a heavy weight on a rope. 
and the guy that does it can tell when it hits the bottom and uh, figure out how, how they got knots in the ropes, so they know how, much, how deep it is. Your life depends on it. You're pretty good at stuff like that. Verse 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they, the sailors, cast four anchors off the stern and wished for day. So they're getting blown into land. I don't know if they know north, south, east, west. Pretty hard to tell without stars or the sun. I can see why it looked pretty hopeless. Verse 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship. Verse 30. When they had let down the little boat, the little, you know, whatever you call it, the boat, that the lifeboat, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, the Boats have ways of getting to... They didn't have all these great docks back in those days. A lot of times if you wanted to get to shore, you went on a little boat, you anchored offshore, and you took a little boat in. So they're taking the little captain's boat or whatever, or they're pretending to, uh, to do something. When they had let down the, cap, the, the little boat into the sea under the color or under the ruse as though they were going to cast anchors off the foreship. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these men abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. That's pretty good. They're listening to Paul. Paul's calling the shots. And so they stop. In fact, they cut the ropes to the ship, uh, the boat that's being let down over the side. And the soldiers cut off the ropes, verse 32, of the boat and let her fall off. So they, you know, get rid of that boat. But it's really not enough to carry 276 people. So the Lord's going to have to work something out. Verse 33, And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, Paul saying, This day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting. So they've been, you know, I can understand Paul fasting and praying, but the, all these guys were fasting and praying. I, whatever. Having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. And when... Paul had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And probably a lot of these guys weren't used to praying for their food. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Paul's leading the way. And then, verse 36, Then they all of good cheer, and they also took meat. Verse 37, Luke says, And we were in all in the ship 203 score, that's 260, and 16 souls, that's 276 souls. And again, I've always wondered why they, you know, pilots today say, how many souls you got on board? And it's a very common thing with, with aircraft. I bet, I'm sure the Navy does it as well. Verse 38, And when they had eaten enough they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea they're still trying to lighten the ship they got a lot of food on the ship whatever they're getting rid of it 
And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded if it were possible to thrust a ship. If you have a river coming out of a coastline, there's it's a pretty good chance that you know, the rocks have worn away and you could if you can drive your ship into that river or creek or whatever it is, uh, that's a that's the place you want to drive your ship as opposed to a, a rocky coastline. Columbus did it with his ship uh, when he came back from his first voyage. He made four in all. Anyway, verse 40. And when they had taken up the anchors, well, they were trying not, trying not to crash into the shore, but now they are trying to go to the shore. And they committed themselves unto the sea, which they didn't jump in the water. They committed themselves, you know, this is all or nothing here. We're going to try to hit this, this creek that we see in the land. Although they could not, they knew not the land. They Okay, they probably didn't know what land it was, is what they're saying. But they, they could see the shoreline and they could see the creek and they knew enough to, that's where we want to go. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands, which I think would be the ropes tied on, you know, keep the rudder turned a certain direction. The, the cruise control, if you will, and hoisted up the mainsail, so they still have enough tackle to hoist up the main, mainsail. I would assume the wind's driving them up this creek, and made toward shore. Verse 41, And falling into a place where two seas met, I think that's the creek, they ran the ship aground. The forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. And the hinder part, or the back of the boat, the stern, was broken with the violence of the waves. Verse 42. And the soldiers' counsel, I guess they're going, let's kill the prisoners. They were all agreeing to, let's kill the prisoners. Lest any of them should swim out and escape. You know, prisoners are not to escape from Roman guards. Verse 43. And the centurion, Julius, willing to save Paul, kept the other kept them from their kept the soldiers from their purpose, and commanded that they which could so the, the centurion is calling the shots here, commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards. And some on broken pieces of the ship, which sound a lot like boards. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. So Paul's prophecy from the Lord came true that, that all, not a hair of their heads fell. Pretty cool. And that ends chapter 27. Chapter 28, which is the last chap, chapter of it. Uh, and, and I love when it says that Paul... Witnessed for two years there, I guess, before he was executed. And and it doesn't really say he had a trial or anything. I don't think Nero was too keen on trials. But, especially for Christians. 
But anyway, uh, some believed and some didn't. And that's what's going to happen with this podcast. And that's going to be, if you're out trying to lead people to Christ, just realize that some are going to believe and some aren't. I mean, do it to the best of your ability, you know, but, but you can't make people believe. So the points in chapter 28 are the landing in Melita, Melita, spelled Melita anyway, M-E-L-I-T-A, and the viper's bite, which is pretty cool. Uh, the healing of Publius's father, which another miracle. The viper's bite is a miracle. The healing of Publius's father is a miracle. He's like the chief of these natives on the island of Crete, uh, which is probably not a very good place to winter, but uh, they do fine there. Uh, especially with Paul doing these miracles, the, the, they, they think these people are really special. And they take care of them. And Paul Paul arrives at Rome. Okay, so so we have it on the island of Crete there, and then this uneventfully arrives at Rome. Uh, Paul in Rome, his ministry there to the Jews initially. Uh, in the last part, he turns to the Gentiles. So, anyway... I will say adios, which is to God. And I will also say via con Dios, go with God.